Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860, and womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm very happy to be back in the studio this afternoon uh, with a very special guest. I believe she's calling in from Los Angeles. We'll find out in a couple of minutes. Um, But first, we are going to hear from our very own financial advisor from Robert excuse me, Robert W. Baird and Company, and partner with the Foley Hillsley Group, Kristen Hillsley. Kristen, welcome to the show. Hi, Sue. Thank you. Have you survived the women's conference? <laughs> yes, yes. It was Good. amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, I was happy to be a part of it. It really, it really was a special day, and love for you to um, give our listeners a little bit of feedback on the conference. Well, it was funny because I was talking with, um, I had a meeting with one of our suppliers earlier today, and I was talking with him about the women's conference, and I said, you know, we could have set up this conference in one of two ways. It could have been set up to be a full day of finance, which I think would have been very, you know, it's it's hard to sit through a full day of finance, I think. (laughs) Or we could have done what we chose to do, which was create a women's lifestyle conference, and really what we wanted to do was say, there are so many great women in this community. And I know you know that firsthand because you interview so many of them. And what would happen if we got all of these women together in a room and just got a, gave them a chance to get to know each other? Um, and of course it had, you know, we did a presentation on investing and in particular it was called Transition Troubles, how to make good decisions um, in, in a period of transition. Um, but by and large, it was an opportunity for the women to connect. And they just, I, I, I got such positive feedback. One of my clients who's been a client for many years called me and she said, Kristen, this was life changing for me. I have now, she has a, a very busy job, um, but she has two beautiful twin daughters. And she said, I am. Um, stop working at 2.30 every Wednesday, and I'm going to pick them up from school and spend the rest of the afternoon with them. And she said it's been life-changing. And so it was just, and, and the stories like that just go on and on. And it makes me feel great because I know how hard it is to to fit it all in, you know. Mm. And if I can help, if, 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 if the conference can help women um, make wonderful decisions like that and also give them a, um, a finance lesson and an empowerment to take control of their investments and, and their financial decision making. I mean, it just is a win, 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 win. You know what, Kristen, you did such an excellent job of combining a couple of things. So it was such a nice blend of inspiration and and some great advice, you know, uh, around finance for women and networking. So, the, you know, it was those three things that I think women took such a nice dose away um, of each individual topic. And it was fun. You know, it really was light. And of course, 
Holly Dowling as the keynote speaker is always a good choice. She was amazing. It was so important to me that the conference be, as you said, fun. And I know that the women that were there, and most women in general don't, I feel like today so many women are given like lists of things to do. Like you should do this to be successful. You should do that to be successful. And the truth is like we are all going to find our different path. And Holly did a great job of helping us all connect to what's important within each one of us and and that you can't you can't make a list of things to do to do that that's when no. you have to have that those reflective moments that she enabled everyone to have to to really come walk away with something special yeah that's so absolutely true and we're going to hear a little bit about that uh, from our guest this afternoon who um, happens to be a founder of a um, I'll say technology company and um, her story is interesting in that, you know, she didn't start out immediately from college um, jumping into this particular idea and um, developing this this software and this hardware. And, you know, I think that was probably the most important point of that conference was having each individual woman leave knowing that the most important thing is for her to find her own um original, uh, you know, lifestyle that works for her and combining whether she's an entrepreneur or working for a company. Um, and, and that really was important. And I want to compliment you, Stu, because you had an amazing task of having to interview um, three women on our pa- power panel who I'm sure now that you've interviewed them, you know that they could probably all have with their stories and backgrounds have talked the entire hour. (laughs) I mean, they were just so amazing. And you did such a beautiful job of just getting them to share their stories. Like you, like, like you said of your next guest where every woman has a story from how she gets from point A to B. And some of those stories are going to be so impactful and some of them are, you know, you'll listen to and it might not apply to you, but you never know when that one story is going to hit home and it's going to be life changing. So um, we thank you for sharing stories of women, you know, all the time on your show. You do a beautiful, job. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, I love my work. Um, Let me ask you for next year's conference. I know you'll be um, probably planning, you know, from the day after this one, any, um, anything that you're thinking of doing a little bit differently, or maybe you've not gotten to that, uh, that place yet. Well, I, I want to get more comfortable seating for you. (laughs) I want to, I want to be more like Oprah. (laughs) Well, I would appreciate that. Oh, was that your biggest takeaway? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my biggest, I walked away, I I walked away from the conference year one thinking I would do this, I would do that, I would do this, I would do that. I walked away from this conference going, how am I going to top this? Like, so (laughs) I, I, I sincerely thank you and everyone that made it what it was. It just turned out to be way more than I expected. Well, I'm going to tell you, I think you better be prepared because next year I'm going to guess that it's going to double in size 
because there really was such a great response and people had fun. I mean, there was so much laughter that day and uh, women go yeah. to a lot of conferences and, you know, networking events and, and there's a lot of a lot going on around women's leadership and empowerment. We know that. Um, but some events are more fun than others. <laughs> well, and that's what will bring them back. Keep your ears peeled. If you have a motivational speaker that you think would be amazing, I, oh, I'm I am sure. I am all ears. And people can visit the Money Matters with Kristen blog and leave comments. Um, if you have someone or you can um, email us um, at womensconference at rwbaird.com. Um, we would love to hear feedback. Okay. Um, you can visit our Facebook page, Foley Hillsley Group. Um, any and all comments are welcome because the theme of our conference is grow, achieve, and give back. And the best ideas that we get um, are from people that share their thoughts with us. And we really are committed to, to growing every year and making it better and more meaningful every year that we can. Well, I have no doubt that you'll do that, Kristen. And listen, I appreciate your checking in today. Um, if if you're listening, you. again, you can find Kristen at uh, foleyhillsleygroup.com. And that's Foley, F-O-L-E-Y, Hillsley, H-I-L-L-S-L-E-Y, group.com. And I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, take it easy thank this you, week. Too. Yeah, and we'll get back, back to it next week. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Kristen. Now I'd like to welcome um, our guest for this afternoon, and her name is Ashley Crowder. Ashley is the co-founder and CEO of Ventana, and uh, I believe she's calling in from California. Is that right, Ashley? Yeah, we're based in Los Angeles. Okay. Great to be here. Good. Great to have you. Um, listen, Ashley, I'd love to learn a little bit more about uh, the young Ashley uh, growing up in California. I believe that's where you grew up as well, Southern California? No, I actually grew up in Virginia, right near Washington, D.C. Oh, you did? Okay, excuse me. <laughs> I was confusing your, uh, your <laughs> education. So tell me about your years growing up in Virginia. Yeah, um, you know, growing up, I was always interested in, in engineering and building things. You know, I took apart all the radios in our house and didn't know how to put them quite back together. <laughs> so that was fun, and, and that really came from, um, you know, my dad was a, an electrician, and, you know, on the weekends, I'd ride around in the truck to the job sites and, and really got interested in, in building and um, technical things from him. Okay. Um, and uh, my mom was a teacher, so of course, always encouraging me to to learn and and experiment. Um, Love doing at home experiments, uh, <laughs> which often got a little messy, um, but but it was always fun and and had tons of tools to work with uh, for my dad, which was cool. And and obviously, was he an entrepreneur working for himself? Yeah. So uh, you know. He worked for a company that went out of business, and um, he decided to start his own company uh, when I was in first grade. And it was really, really cool to see him start, you know, him, one uh, one other electrician, and, uh, you know, an admin, and it grow to be about a 100-person company and, and doing, um, you know, construction jobs all over the world and ended up selling it about two years ago. So... 
um, it was it was a really great experience being able to see what it really takes to start a company and, and grow it to that size. Okay, I should I should mention for the listeners, you know, Ventana, what it is, it's a, um, a patented scalable hologram hardware and software company, which um, you developed with your co-founder. And um, you, I guess uh, it's, it's used by people in the marketing field across multiple industries. Um, it's, it's very cool. I've been sharing the video that, um, that is out there. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, the TED Talk that you did as well. One of the things I, I noticed that you say often is that you started very small, um, and I think that's important for entrepreneurs and anyone who has an idea to not get caught up in the big picture and the big vision. It can be a little overwhelming. Tell me what, um, you know, when you talk about starting small, talk about how you focused on that and, and really, you know, what your philosophy was. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to have a big vision, and that big vision is what drives you and, and gets you to where you want to be. So at Ventana, you know, we we founded the company around creating authentic group experiences. So uh, we, we founded the company a little over five years ago. Um, when we told people we were doing holograms, they thought we were talking about stickers on your Visa card that change when you move them, you know, <laughs> and we'd say, no, it's like Princess Leia from Star Wars. Come to our a office. A little Come bigger. See what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, yeah. It's like a real 3D projection. Um, And so, you know, I think it's having that big vision and knowing where you're going and that passion to drive you. But but yeah, don't let that overwhelm you. I I think people get caught up in, in, uh, you know, overthinking things and saying, well, you know, it's step A to B and all the way down to Z. It's like, you just have to start somewhere. Just start, just build something. You know, we we started out in music and and we did hologram concerts uh, for DJs. And we thought, you know, at the time, this made sense. Artists were only making money doing shows, not selling records. They could do 10 shows at once with our live hologram telepresence. So you can be in New York and your hologram can be live in China with less than a second delay. Turns out every hologram concert we did was sponsored by a brand. So the brands were the ones actually paying us to do this. So we said, okay, why do you like this tech? What do you want to do this? Uh, do with this? And for them, the, the answers kept coming back. It was about creating an amazing experience for consumers and to engage consumers in a new way with their brand. So we said, okay, that's great. Why don't we make this interactive? So at that point, we started building our interactive software. So I, I don't know if we shared this video with you, but at the 2015 U.S. Open, you could actually throw a, a tennis ball to Roger Federer's hologram, and he would hit it. Yes, and I saw that. And then you got that. a video yeah. or a picture playing tennis with him. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so fun, an experience a fan would never get to have otherwise, um, and a way for Mercedes-Benz to leverage their endorsement deal with Roger Federer. I mean, they pay millions of dollars, and they get one commercial, and usually that's it. But we allowed his hologram to be in their tent the entire two weeks of the U.S. Open and interact with over 8,000 fans, um, which is pretty amazing. And and that was really when things started to click, and, and brands um, started calling us today. We work with everyone from Lexus, Intel, NBC, Universal, um, you know, Microsoft, and, and they all use our technology in different ways to engage consumers while tracking data and having that social component to share on social media. Um, you know, so when we first started out, 
social media wasn't a part of this. It was we're building hologram technology and augmented reality, and, and now we've kind of built this entire ecosystem to easily create interactive 3D content with data collection and that shareable component. So I want to talk to you a little bit about you know, uh, let me just talk about your, your education. You got a, a bachelor's in industrial systems engineering, and um, you were president of your um, sorority, and you were a Southeast recruitment leader. Um, no, <laughs> so that- I actually, I actually, uh, no, so I actually have a bachelor's and master's uh, in industrial engineering, um, and I was president of the Engineering Honor Society. Oh, Oh, okay. It says, well, my notes (laughs) in the bio, um, my apologies, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's in, in any event, it's impressive, Ashley, you know, your, your educational background and, um, your aspirations to go into what we talk about on the show all the time as the STEM field. What was that always your direction? Um, because you know, young women typically, or, you know, where they stand today as far as the numbers is not um, as many as men in these fields. And, you know, I'm wondering if you just pursued it without any hesitation, or were you aware of the fact that you may have been one of few women um, in that engineering program? Yeah, I mean, I always loved math and science. I just did, you know, since kindergarten. I remember I just loved that. I hated English. I would do anything to get out of writing. So I would take more as many math and science classes as I could, and I, I just loved that. And, um, you know, growing up, you do, there unfortunately is that persona of that's not something, you know, women or girls typically like, but I'm that personality. If you tell me I can't do something, I am definitely going to do it. So, um, you know, that, if anything, just drove me more. Um, and, and I wasn't going to let, you know, any stereotypes, you know, stop me. I, I enjoyed being a cheerleader and being an AP calculus. You know, I don't think one or the other is, is exclusive. Um, and I do, you know, a lot of talks, uh, to, elementary schools and high schools and and even um, colleges at at my alma mater, USC, to help encourage more women into STEM. And I think a lot of it is there there hadn't been good examples uh, of different things you could do with engineering. You know, growing Mm. up, I think you always hear about, well, you could build fighter jets and you could, uh, you know, work for Northrop Grumman doing that, or you could work for an oil company. You could also build a 3D printer that prints makeup. Uh, You know, an amazing engineer graduate from Harvard did that. Mm. Um, You know, there are, you know, more feminine versions of of engineering. And I think augmented reality and virtual reality are a great field uh, that allows you to be more creative. And and it can be more feminine. It could be masculine. It can be anything, the content you create. Um, And so, you know, I, I try and do a lot of talks encouraging that. And I actually, um, USC's freshman year engineering class is actually 47% women this year, which that's, is really exciting. That's to fantastic. See. Yeah. That's such a good point. I think you and I spoke about this um, in our pre interview call about the fact that, you know, STEM doesn't necessarily mean, you know, what we would typically think it does. And that if you're going into um, computer science or technology, that you're right, it touches every industry. So no matter what you're interested in, um, you can pursue that and have, you know, a very creative and artistic um, experience with it as well. 
Yeah, and, and that's something I always talk about. You know, to be an engineer, you have to be creative. You're, you're solving problems um, that don't have a solution today. So, so there is that creativity there, and I think people – um, you know, when they traditionally think of engineering, they think of just sitting in a cubicle. But, you know, at our office, we have a warehouse where we're prototyping and building and testing things. And we have brainstorm sessions of, you know, what cool hologram experience could we do for a baseball game? You know, so um, I think uh, it, it's really just educating, um, you know, the younger generation of, you know, what's possible with engineering and everything from, you know, sports, which has become a huge industry for us, which, again, we didn't think about when we first started, um, but it but it turns out sports and stadiums are a great place for this technology. Um, and, and, you know, so you, you never really know. So let me ask you, you're, you're really, you know, the brains behind the technology. How much do you get involved with the ideas around the marketing and campaigns for each of your clients and in how the holograms can be used. Yeah, I mean, I'd say what what's fun about you know a startup is everyone kind of wears a lot of hats, and and we do brainstorm sessions with everyone from the engineers to the operations team. Um, you know, we and and the marketing team, we kind of all come together and say, okay, we've got a, a wrestling client coming up what can we do cool that's wrestling and kind of we have everyone involved in that because that's what's so fun um for the team um and so it's always interesting starting a company i mean i would say having an engineering degree is is the best to have if you want to start a company because you're going to know how to build that tech and and at least if you don't know the expertise of of what you need you know the type of person you need to hire Mm. to do that and i think as an entrepreneur you start out you build the tech yourself in the beginning. You're very, very hands-on. And then you become almost an HR person trying to find those best people to build your team to get right. you to where you need to be. Yeah. And then you kind of become a, a CFO and finance person, raising money and going out and selling to investors and, and clients. Um, so it, it's been really interesting, the journey. And I, and I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, and it's all kind of the same. And you, you go from being that hands-on engineer to that, you know, HR and then CFO type role, and it kind of changes throughout. You know, one of the toughest things, I think, for any entrepreneur is the funding. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about those beginning stages and, and how you tackled that. Who was your uh, first investor, and I'll say believer, in your product, and, and how did you go about securing them? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, raising money um, is tough, especially if you don't come from that background. I mean, it's very relationship-driven, um, and we didn't know anyone when we started. You know, my background's engineering, and my co-founder was business and, and worked in sales before, um, and, and so we didn't, you know, know a bunch of venture capitalists. That wasn't, you know, who we knew. Um, so we really had to go out there and, and prove ourselves, and, you know, we did that first hologram concert with Paradigm Talent Agency, and and they were like, well, if they could build this with Home Depot parts, I wonder what they could do with funding. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so yeah. Paradigm was one of our first investors, uh, which was great. Um, and, uh, you know, we got a, a partner at Platinum Equity as an angel investor and a few other strategics. Um, and, and really, it, it was hard to get funding at first. We ended up raising $2.2 million in seed funding 
Wow, um, the, the that's awesome. Driving revenue throughout, and we actually reached profitability um, thanks in, in 2Q this year. So we are profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrific. So in a short time. Money. Uh, yeah. You know, we're, yeah. Yeah, so um, that was the, the, the big goal for us. I mean, both me and my co-founder watched our, our parents kind of grow their own companies, and funding wasn't really an option back then, and they have more traditional companies that aren't, you know, VC-backable. So right. we had both of our parents saying, well, do you have a contract yet? No, that's not a real company. You know, <laughs> so um, that, that kind of drove us to – to figure it out. <laughs> right. I know. It's so it's so interesting. You know, um, you you partnered with Microsoft and, and my guess is companies like that, Microsoft, Google, uh, you know, the big, big companies, people are reaching out to them probably every day, all day long with ideas and, you know, wanting to, to partner on different levels. Tell me how you got that call or meeting with Microsoft. <laughs> LinkedIn stalking. Um, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> to, to, I, I will always say never. Um, you know, we we've never take given you know equity or done deals for introductions. Like you can figure out a way to to meet someone, and ninety nine percent of the time it is just reaching out and and saying how you want to connect, and people will will be receptive. So with Microsoft, you know, we we hacked their connect, um, and we emailed them saying, you know, we're doing holograms, Dear Connect, it's amazing, come check it out. And then I saw they were doing an event in uh, Santa Monica, and I went to the event, and I met um, one of uh, the women who worked there who is amazing, Shana. She does a lot of their community outreach um, and, you know, got her to come to our office and see what we were doing and, and just built the relationship from there. Um, so it it really uh, don't be afraid to ask people for help or ask people for a meeting or coffee because most of the time, you know, they will say yes. And, okay, so tell me how you, you know, handle the no's because there's always plenty of no's along the way. And I think that, you know, the longer you get into it, the more the years go by, you realize that when you receive those no's, you can, you know, you just kind of keep pushing along. But in the beginning, it's hard. Um, you know, it's sometimes we take it as a sign that, you know, maybe we're we're doing the not doing the right thing. How did you handle those no's in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, again, I'm that type of person where if you tell me I can't do something, I'm gonna find a way to do it. So <laughs> I think it's having that drive and, and the passion to build my company. You know, I always want to know my own company, and and I was gonna make this happen. And I think it's knowing it's, it's a numbers game. Um, and it's a lot, a lot of it's timing, especially with sales, you know, someone might not need a hologram today, but you know, a month from now, a a situation comes up where their executive can't be somewhere. And then they'll reach out and say, Hey, we actually, we need your telepresence solution because our executive needs to be in New York and she can't be there. So we want to beam her in live, you know, or, you know, a a trade show is coming up and they have a new product launch they want to do. So I think, you know, it, it's a numbers game, and, and it's timing a lot of time and continuing to build those relationships with people, and um, you just keep going. Yeah, so where do you think that confidence came in you? Where did you develop that? As You know, it seems like you um, had it from a young age. Yeah, I mean, I think my my parents raised me to be a very strong person. I mean, it was always, you know, 
you can figure it out. Like, don't, don't always come to me to solve your problems. Like you, you've got this, you go figure it out, you know? And I think, um, yeah, it, it was just the way I, I was raised. I mean, I, I grew up, um, luckily great parents who pushed me, uh, to, to learn and experiment. And, um, you know, I had two younger sisters and an older brother and we're kind of, we're all very different, but I think the one common denominator is we're all, uh, you know, very, uh, driven and, and independent people. And just, uh, you know, we're always encouraged to find solutions to our problems. Yeah. So I guess there's something to be said for not being coddled and not having those helicopter parents that, you know, do everything for you. <laughs> yeah. And, and who knows? And, you know, the, it's always, you know, the nature versus nurture. So that's who right. knows, but, um, you know, <laughs> you just know your experience. Tell me how you met. Uh, so your co-founder, your partner is Benjamin Conway. And how did the two of you get together? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, both of us always wanted to start our own companies. Um, and we, we both went to USC. We didn't know each other in school, but we had a lot of mutual friends and we both actually imported, uh, products from China and resold them on the side. Cause you know, who does that for fun? Um, and our, our mutual friends introduced us cause they were like, who does that? You two need to meet each other. Um, and so we started talking and, uh, you know, he was importing, um, sunglasses in USC colors that said game day and selling them on campus. And, and I was importing 3d glasses. Um, and yeah, we just started talking from there and throwing around ideas and, uh, you know, just kind of grew from there, became friends and, and, you know, we've now been working together for over five years, which is pretty amazing. And, um, you know, we're, we're like brother and sister. We, you know, are, are very, very different. We think very differently and that's why it works so well. Um, cause we're always, you know, pushing each other. Um, and it's just been a, a great partnership. That's awesome. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to go back a little bit and, and have you talk about your time at BP, which uh, was actually your, your first job out of college. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Michael Bertoni, founder and CTO of Philly Tech. I'm throwing the first annual Philly Tech Community Holiday Party at Coda in Rittenhouse Square, Philadelphia on Wednesday, December 13th from 6 to 9 p.m. This party will be a celebration of technology and innovation happening throughout the greater Philadelphia region, and everyone is invited. You'll have the opportunity to learn more about the tech scene in Philly, network and praise our achievements, while giving back to littles within Big Brothers Big Sisters of Philadelphia. 20% of the dollars raised in the event will go towards buying holiday gifts for Littles in Big Brothers Big Sisters and putting a big smile on their faces during the holidays. Here's what you can expect at the holiday party. We'll kick off with a live comedy show called Good Joke, Bad Joke, Bingo by comedian Sean Wickens. The first 100 people to arrive go into a drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Enjoy free open bar, free buffet, and DJ from 6 to 9 p.m. Tickets are only $20 on Eventbrite by searching in Philadelphia for first annual Philly Tech Community Holiday Party or going to my website at phillytech.co. Make sure it's phillytech.co. Looking forward to seeing you there. This is Kristen Hillsley, financial advisor of the Foley Hillsley Group with a big announcement. 
Last fall, I hosted a women's lifestyle conference to help the women who do it all take control of their finances. Now I'm excited to announce a new partnership with Women to Watch Media to help show women how to own their financial future. We'll have newsletter articles, blog posts, announcements of live events, and a lot more. All available at womentowatch.net and our own website, foleyhillsleygroup.com. I'm thrilled about this new partnership, and I look forward to being your resource for all things financial. Stay tuned to learn more or visit our website at foleyhillsleygroup.com. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, member SIPC. Log on to foleyhillsleygroup.com to learn more. That's F-O-L-E-Y-H-I-L-L-S-L-E-Y group.com. Or call 610-238-6636. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm live this afternoon with Ashley Crowder, the co-founder and CEO of Vintana, which is a a very cool hologram uh, company. And um, Ashley, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your time at BP. I know that that was a an interesting position that you had there right out of college, and, and tell me what, what you took away from that role. Yeah, I, I worked there for three years, um, and I got a chance to work at one of the refineries, uh, you know, managing production, um, and it was, you know, I, I learned a lot. Um, you know, refineries run 24-7, so it's, it's definitely high pressure. You, you know, it never stops, so you kind of always need to be on. Um, but, you know, and I was really that go between between the, uh, you know, operators at the refinery and then the traders in Chicago. And, you know, if something went wrong, um, you know, had to be there to, to fi- figure out a solution to, to fix it because, it, you know, you can't just shut down a refinery. It, it takes a couple of days. You have to find, you know, solutions, you know, in the interim pretty quick. Um, so, you know, it was definitely a, a great learning experience. And, you know, especially as a woman who was, you know, only, you know, in her early 20s and, um, you know, in charge of the plan to communicate to, you know, over 100, um, you know, refinery operators who are generally, you know, middle-aged men. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a interesting dynamic, yeah. um, but one that taught me a lot about, you know, how to manage, especially when you're not necessarily, you know, a, a direct manager of, of others, but how do you, you know, accomplish your goal and, and get everyone on the same page? Yeah. Tell, what that's a, uh, leads me to a great question is, is I wonder how you do motivate your team, your current team. What is your uh, mantra or philosophy for kind of keeping everybody motivated and excited? Yeah. I mean, I think one, you know, lucky in the fact that we are building kind of 
new technology and we're at the forefront of this AR industry. And, and, you know, everyone's excited about that, about being the leader in the augmented reality space. And, and our general mantra, which you can ask any, any of our employees is, is make shit happen. It's honestly our mantra. And, you know, that's kind of the attitude of everyone here is, is yes, we can, like we can do it. We're, we are building something that has never existed before. And I think that optimism is, is key um, to, to be able to do it. Uh, you know, and the other thing we, we always say is, you know, never say no, because it's, it's yes, if it's, it's always possible, but it, but what do we need to do to make it possible? Um, so that's, that's really the mindset we try to have here. And I, I think what people enjoy too is, is the autonomy. Um, you know, everyone, you know, has the autonomy to run their own projects and, and, find, you know, their own solutions. And of course, ask questions if you ever have any, and we work as a team, but, um, you know, we want people to have their own autonomy to do that. And I think especially millennials want that in, in an office environment. Yeah. I would imagine that there's a general, um, attitude like that in the culture that you work in, because as you said, you know, technology, there's something new every day. Um, actually, is there, do you ever feel a sense of urgency to kind of be at the forefront and keep up with, you know, all of the changes and things that are being developed in your field? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, again, you know, we started five years ago and and no one knew what we were talking about when we said holograms. And now it's so exciting to have AR and VR be these buzzwords and, and we're getting more and more inbound. And it's honestly, it's exciting that people now are, are asking for what we've built and, and, you know, we're, we're always continuing to innovate. I mean, that's what drives us. And, and we will always be at that forefront because, you know, we have been working with this technology for five years and are pushing the boundaries and will always keep pushing those boundaries for our clients. And, you know, the sense of urgency comes um, when we do events with, with a short timeline. I mean, we, if you go to our website and you request a quote or more information, you know, the automatic email comes back and says, you know, we'll, we'll make sure to get back to you within 24 hours, but if this is a hologram emergency, call this number. You'd be surprised how many hologram emergencies we get. <laughs> you know? You're going to have to describe what a hologram emergency looks like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, one's for, for Intel. Intel's a client of ours, and they called us, and they needed a live hologram telepresence in Taiwan uh, in 10 days. And we said, all right. Uh, if you literally sign that contract today, we can make that happen with customs. And we did it. You know, wow. in 10 days, we had a live hologram telepresence in Taiwan. Yeah. So, um, you know, it goes back to that attitude of we, we can make it happen. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what's exciting. Wow. Okay. So talk to me. Two things I want to know. I want to know, you know, your proudest moment um, with this venture and then perhaps a moment where things did not go the way they should, because that happens, um, and how you dealt with that. But first, tell me, tell me the, the proudest moment since, since uh, the beginning, five years ago. Yeah, I would say, I, I don't know if it was like the absolute proudest moment, but I felt like it was really a big turning point was, was that 2015 U.S. Open. And it was our first... Um, you know, interactive hologram experience 
for, you know, such a big event and the fact that we had, you know, almost 8,000 fans go through and, and see their hologram live and throw the ball to Roger Federer and get their picture or video, Mm. um, was just amazing. And it was amazing to see, you know, that, you know, I was there almost the whole two weeks and to see that many people just having so much fun with the technology. And then on the back end, you know, Mercedes Benz really getting the value of increased engagement um, and, and online sharing. Um, so, so I think that was, you know, one of definitely one of the highs. And how about a, a moment where you kind of were freaking out, <laughs> let's say, where something, yeah. well, hologram emergency, is there one in particular? Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we've always managed to pull things off. I'd say one of the toughest we did, um, you know, a hologram concert in Chicago and it was just one of those days where like everything kept happening. Like we hit a fire hydrant with the rental car. We got the wrong projector delivered. We got, you know, the computer broke. It was just one of those days. Yeah. Full moon. (laughs) Yeah. But again, you know, at 8 PM when the people showed up, that hologram concert went on like we still pulled it off but you know the 24 hours leading up to that I was like oh my gosh what is happening (laughs) (laughs) but it sounds like you just roll you know you roll with it you don't um and and tell me if I'm right that you're someone who perhaps um when things go awry that you're not necessarily reacting to the situation but you're more proactive yeah, yeah. And I, I would say a lot of that comes from, you know, my experience from BP. I mean, you know, things do go wrong. And it, it was always sit down, lay everything out on the table. What's happened? What are all the possible solutions and evaluate? You know, you, you can't, you know, you can't panic. That's not going to help anything. It's, it's let's lay out all the potential solutions and let's pick the best one based on the information we have. Um, and, and I think that stuck with me and, and it can apply, you know, for any job. And so, you know, at a, at a refinery, you know, lives are, are at stake, you know, holograms, not, not so much, which is, is great. Um, and, and I think, you know, I've, I've always preferred, I work better under pressure than not. So, okay. so I enjoy that type of environment. Yeah. I would imagine what you're doing is going to be adopted by most companies, you know, that um, I just can't see how it would not be something that, um, you know, most companies would want to adopt into their own marketing, because again, everyone's looking for ways to be more interactive and of course um, engage with their customer base and, and their clients. So two questions. First, do you foresee the cost, you know, eventually going down? Because, you know, when anything's brand new and it's novel and, and limited, the, the costs are fairly high. Um, and, and so then they would come down if more and more companies are, are using your product. And uh, what, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, we have solutions today, uh, you know, for for all different types of companies. So, so I, you know, and I think that always surprises people, you know, we do, we do have, you know, all different types of options that can fit all different size companies down to, you know, we get requests for weddings. So, oh, wow. Um, you know, wow. It, it really, you know, we, we do have solutions for, for all different perspectives. And I think, 
you know, marketing and advertising is just the beginning. Um, you know, being based in Los Angeles, entertainment and, and advertising was kind of the easy first use case in the industry here um, that let us grow quickly. Um, but we even have a, a manufacturing company starting to use our technology to better visualize uh, parts um, and, and, you know, what they should look like being finished. And we've already saved them, you know, more money and materials than the cost of installation. So wow. I think wow. um, as we continue to grow, we'll, we'll start seeing this in more and more industries uh, which is really exciting. Yeah, I would, uh, Kasha, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the medical field and, of course, design and, you know, architecture, and it, the list must be endless. Yeah, and, and it's exciting, but then, you know, as a small company, that's one of the things you have to be disciplined to stay, to stay focused right. and grow, you know, you, you want to grow quickly, but, you know, in a controlled manner. Yes. So I think for us, you know, that marketing advertising is, has been a huge growth engine for us. And that's, you know, you know, totally done and we're ready to do anything in that area. Now we're kind of just testing out some of these manufacturing applications and, um, yeah, medical will kind of be one of those next. And, and we really let our clients dictate a little bit what, what we do and where we go. And, mm. and that's, I think, how we've been able to build a product that really solves a problem versus building something that you think is great and then hoping clients come to it. Yeah. No, that's really smart. Kind of let let them come to you. And when, when they do, then you see that, you know, here's another, um, here's another market for us. Um, I think that's one of the best pieces of advice for entrepreneurs, small businesses, because you can get yourself overly excited and try to do too much and then you're, you're just not ready. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's all about, um, I think focus and, and sometimes companies try and do too much and then you've, you've run out of your funding and you don't have any paying clients yet. And, and that's how people get into trouble. Yeah. Um, tell me about, I want to talk to you about, you know, the future of technology. Uh, there's a lot of concern, as much as it is exciting and, and it allows us to do things we've never been able to do before, um, there's always conversations around, my goodness, where are we going from a robotic standpoint and a humanity uh, standpoint? Is that something that ever concerns you? Um, do you think I mean, about I'm that? the one, yeah, I mean, I, I get just excited about it. I mean, I think you know, there's always that concern from people of, oh, that's going to take my job away. I, I think it's, it's technology is going to have the ability to make your job easier and simpler, and you can do more in different tasks. So I think, especially with, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, it, it's so exciting. It's still only as smart as we make it. Um, so, so artificial intelligence is going to help us get to better answers faster and evaluate more data than we could ever personally do and, and just comprehend. Um, but humans are the ones still going to be making those decisions based on that data. Um, and, and I think, you know, with augmented reality and virtual reality technology, it's just tools to help us better visualize. And, and, you know, with AR, it's giving us that seamless access to data so we can put that digital in the real world. By the end of the day, it's, it's all tools to help humans work faster, better, smarter. Um, so, you know, I see it as a positive, but, but I do think it's important to, uh, change, you know, the education system. You know, I think engineering is so important. The more engineering, uh, classes people can take, 
the better because, you know, the future jobs are going to be programming those computers or that artificial intelligence. Um, and I, I think we just have to make sure we're, we're training people um, for these future jobs. You know, there's a great company called Working Nation that, that's trying to solve this problem of, you know, we're, we are building technology faster than, you know, the current workforce can almost keep up with it. Mm. So it's yes. making sure we have those training programs to do that. Yeah. Um, tell me what keeps you up at night as the owner of a company like this. <laughs> um, you know, I'd, I'd say it's, you know, the team. I want to make sure, you know, we are building, you know, a culture uh, that's, that's fun and smart and inclusive, um, you know, and it, it's been amazing. People always say once you get to 10 people, it's, it's a very different company. And then when you get to 20 and it's kind of like every one person we add has the ability to change that culture. Um, and so making sure we're growing that um, in the right way uh, is, is one of my big focuses. Um, and then making sure, you know, we're, we're picking those right projects and clients you know, it's, it's exciting. We're at the point where we're getting so many inbound. Um, we're really evaluating, you know, what projects are going to continue to build our business in the direction we want to go and, and what projects should we actually say no to, mm. uh, which sounds crazy, but, right. but it becomes yeah. important. And in the meantime, you're doing, you know, PR and, and marketing around your yeah. company like this show today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's but real I, important. We all wear a lot of hats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do. Let me ask you a question. Do you think there'll be a time when we won't be talking about getting girls into STEM? And, I mean, I think we will. I'm asking that. But how, you yeah. know, you're younger um, than my generation and, I know it's a matter of time. How close do you think we are to just not even having to talk about it anymore? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great people are talking about it because that is what's going to change that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. You see countries like China, um, they have equal male-female in, in engineering, um, which is interesting. And, and there there isn't that stigma there. So um, I think we're already starting to see it in, in some countries and, you know, Sweden is another country that the, the male-female ratio and pay gap is much less. So, you know, I think um, as a world, we're, we're getting closer. Um, you know, I hope it happens in, in my lifetime, um, but I'm going to, you know, hopefully be that one more example and do as many talks as I can to encourage, uh, you know, more young people to get interested in it. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's real important. I know it's hard to find the time when you're running a company to um, to be out there and um, but telling your story is where young girls will see you know gosh that could be me you know and seeing you out there doing it and excited you know you have such an, a wonderful excitement around the work you do I think that's probably the best way to get other young girls to to pursue it as well definitely yeah I mean all I, all I can do is, is lead by example and pull a few more along. But I mean, as I said, it's so exciting to see, you know, USC's freshman engineering class see 47% women. So yeah, I think that's a great um, sign. Yeah, definitely. Well, here's an example of, of how it can be fun and exciting. You, you mentioned in your Ted talk, um, that you, 
want to create, you know, obviously you want to do more with this technology and that um, shopping, you live in California and you have a sister in New York and that you'd be <laughs> able to do some shopping with her through this technology. Can you describe that and how, how what it would look like and how it would actually work? Yeah, so, um, you know, with, with virtual reality, we could put on a headset um, and, and be in a virtual store and the, the technology is getting there where we could actually do, you know, live VR, you know, in different cities and be in the same virtual room and, and do virtual shopping. Um, you know, with, with Ventana's technology, we're putting, you know, holograms in store to display an infinite amount of products that might not um, be able to be at the store, but you could still see and interact with and, and then order and it connects directly to the e-commerce site. So, um, you know, retail is, is definitely a huge vertical where this technology is, is going to disrupt um, and, and really help connect that bridge from that online to offline uh, shopping. Um, so, so that's one example. I mean, we, we do tons of stuff. Uh, I mentioned sports and stadiums. You know, what, what augmented reality is best for is, is those group environments where um, you've got a lot of people and you want to gauge all of them together. So there's a hologram because everybody can see and interact with it. Whereas, you know, if you're at home, um, maybe a virtual virtual reality is better because you're going to put on that headset and be in that virtual world and connect with people in different places. So, um, you know, they all have their best use cases. And, and what we're doing is building this platform to easily create that type of interactive content that could be great on Ventana hardware, which is holograms, but could also be used on other AR and VR devices. Can, can you go back just for a minute and talk to me about when when you first – came up with the idea what what did you do with that in other words for for me a lay person <laughs> and I'm and I'm under you know trying to understand the software versus the hardware um and I know a little bit about coding what's the very first thing you did to to actually you know create it where do you start yeah so yeah so we started you know again started in music and it was with DJs and, and first we said we want you to play multiple places at once Let's live stream your show, high quality audio, and we'll recreate the same light show because no one really cares if you're there. Uh, it's about the light show for DJs. Um, so, so we did that, and that was, you know, figuring out how to do low latency live streams um, it, with, with HD cameras, uh, and, and then recreating the light show. So programming that, and, and we started there, and then we got A-list artists interested, and people do care if they're there. Um, and they said, we want something more. And so honestly, we pitched holograms. We pitched holograms to Paradigm Talent Agency and Kia Cars and Nikki Romero. And, and they all said yes. So we had to figure out how to do that. <laughs> and, uh, so we started building the hardware, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was, wow. it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but we, we built our first hardware and we pulled off that show in June 2013 and learned a lot from that and, and kept improving the hardware and then we had the brand started to use it and they wanted it to be interactive. So that's when we hacked the connect and started building the software. So if you wave and say hello, the hologram will say hi back. That's all the software component, okay. um, but on our display. And, and yeah. so then we kept building out that interactive software and now we have it on a platform in the cloud. So anyone can access it. We can access it and send it to any device. Um, so, you know, it was really just that natural progression. Okay. I probably should have asked this at the top of the show to tell us about the name Ventana and where that came from. 
Oh, yeah. So it means window in Spanish. The idea is we're giving this view into this other place, you know, this other world. Um, we're in L.A., so there's a lot of window companies called Ventana, so we had to drop the E for trademark reasons. <laughs> we weren't trying to be cool. Um, but, but yeah, my mom, you know, went to high school in Spain, so, so she helped come up with the name. Okay. So, so you have some Spanish in you. Uh, well, you- she was a Navy brat, so kind of grew up all over um, and. Spain was where she was in high school. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, it's a cool name. I, I like it. Um, we um, we just have a, a minute left. Tell me, um, first of all, are you are you hiring? Are you looking for any uh, team members in case someone's we listening? We are hiring. Okay. Yes. So we are always looking um, for great engineers, you know, game developers or full stack engineers, um, looking for, you know, to hire our first salespeople. Um, you know, I mentioned we have so many, you know, leads coming in, which is great. Um, we don't have the people to, to catch them sometimes. So <laughs> uh, trying to hire more more sales. And um, you can definitely go to our website and, and see the jobs uh, posted there. And that's uh, Ventana.com. Is that right? Yes. V-N-T-A-N-A.com. Do you, uh, is everyone based in California that works with you? Um, we're all based in LA except one in Portland. Okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, for the most part, we are, you know, we prefer to hire people here. Um, we are planning to open up a New York office next year, uh, which is exciting. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good move. Um, you know, today it's, it's so many people are working virtually, um, you know, but sometimes every company's different. I think, Probably in your field, it's, you know, you want to all kind of be in the same room at one time. Um, but there's definitely positions that people can do from, from other areas. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Ashley, I'm, I'm so impressed by you. I, I think it's fantastic what you've done, and I wish you continued success. And I hope you'll stay in touch with the show. And uh, I thank you for sharing your story this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me, and have a good Thanksgiving. You too. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Uh, Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week.